So uh, what movie are we discussing this, uh, this episode? There's been debate. I vote for zombies. Zombies. Yeah. Oh, wow. I vote for the genre of genre. Zombies. Okay. All right. Genre piece. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm down with zombies. You I heard have thoughts it here about first, zombies. folks, that uh, we just picked zombies right out of the hat for you. The moral of the story. The podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. The best zombie movie I have seen, at least the one I enjoyed most thoroughly, is World War Z with mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. And I liked World War Z because it had a kind of um, realism meets globetrotting adventure, which uh, a lot of zombie movies to me tend to get all caught up in the gore factor. Yeah. And World War Z just I'd say kind most of, of them. Yeah, most of them do. Yeah. And World War mm-hmm. Z was almost the least gory mm-hmm. zombie movie you ever saw. And it was more about just the thrill of literally running away from people. Even though the poster for the movie is literally a giant pile of zombies like clawing their way up to get, <laughs> yes, to get to the helicopter. <laughs> but even the fact that they made the zombies not like slow walking, yeah. you know, uh, things, but quick and yeah. fast. Well, now, another and, movie that did that was I Am Legend. Which is probably my favorite zombie movie. Uh-huh. Um, I don't do a lot of zombie movies. That's just not really a genre that I am particularly drawn to. Even though the I Am Legend zombies, I feel like they were almost more like orcs. Like um, goblin men. Because they're not even really human looking. They look almost like Saruman just pulled them out Well, of they're his, just uh, like, they're hairless and their skin is like super white. Other than that, yeah. they look like a human. Mostly, they look like a, a you know thirty three year old guy that's playing video games in his parents' basement. <laughs> pretty <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> well, the, the thing that's cool about <laughs> the thing that's cool about I Am Legend is not the zombies. It's the idea of Will Smith living alone with yeah. mannequins and yeah. you know big guns and right. And it's say like what you will about him. in the uh, right role, utopia. Will Smith is a great actor. So yeah, like I think in that in that role he's really compelling and he you kind of get the sense of him really being uh alone and yeah well cuz well cuz every zombie movie is also a post-apocalyptic movie that's generally true. speaking yeah. and post-apocalyptic movies kind of have different I guess aesthetic right fe- flavors to them so like I am legend is the the preppers yeah. vision right? right what if i had everything i needed and i was all alone but i was tormented by my aloneness but i was empowered by my preparedness i also <laughs> have no idea why he stayed in new york yeah like in that movie i i never will understand you could that. also sort of say like the whole story is when he finally got it in his head that he had to get out of new york true <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the danger that he encountered like most of it was because like six he was months ago. in New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess for me, really, the question of zombies is actually one of apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Because zombies don't, like a zombie story is never just one about a lot of people getting sick. At least nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I think when it started out, it, it started out as just like another monster. Like you would have a Frankenstein or a yeah. or a, a vampire. But now it's kind of morphed into this thing where it is almost synonymous with apocalypse. 
Right. Yeah. And why is that? I mean, that's something that's a widespread cultural yeah. reality. I mean, like you used to have King Kong. Right. King Kong was just a problem that the authorities would eventually take care of. And now you have Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and now these stories are more like the world's going to end. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. That's, that's kind of in our just cultural zeitgeist now. Yeah. Like people have that attitude about things. It's not that right. we're just up against a hard problem and we're going to conquer it somehow yeah. it and then because come back. The now, world is ending, yeah. You could say that World War Z is a little bit more that way because it's like we got to find a cure, you know, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, but it also but whether shows it's World War most Z, of the whether world. It, there's even a the scene in World War Z where or, they say like most of the world has gone dark or something. You know, yeah, yeah some, it's, it's it's like a yeah. new dark age. Yeah, it's right. a reboot at the very least. It's a reboot of the whole. But Earth. I will say it, it is set in the in the frame of apocalypse, but also and almost to the point where it's a cliche. All of these stories end with them finding patient zero, and then you know the very last scene of the movie is them discovering they have the antidote and it works. You know, yeah. and then it ends, and you just assume that what happens you know, next? Well, the CDC just mandates yeah, the- vaccination. <laughs> <laughs> that was contagion. Alex. Yes, <laughs> the one that. Ben got voted down. Yeah, well, I, I know. I thought it drew you contagion. I thought it might be kind of interesting. In was that a, that wasn't a zombie movie though, was it? No, no, no. That was just a a quote realistic unquote right, right. pandemic. Yeah, pandemics and well, yeah. that's true. But it's funny though to me because most of these new zombie stories actually treat zombie. Let's call it zombieism. Not sure, maybe zombism. I don't know zombieism <laughs> as a disease, not a spiritual condition, which is really what the word zombie originally meant. Um, if you look up the like the origin of the term zombie, it's like from a West African origin. Mm-hmm. And um, like it has analogs in uh, Kikongo. It says zombie means fetish. Um, or zombie means God in Kimbundu. Or uh, the, it was originally the name of a snake god. Um, but so where got, do they get the whole monster-eating brains type thing? Right, but it gained the meaning reanimated corpse okay. through voodoo. Ah, Basically, voodoo practice and voodoo witch doctors, the word zombie meant like a meat puppet that they reanimated to do their bidding. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so originally, like, you had the idea of the undead, yeah. Right, which was the classic zombie right. thing. It's it's the a mummy of the right. living dead. It's like yeah. a mummy, you yeah. know, well, coming back to life. Isn't Night of the Living Dead like the very first? I think it is. Ma- I think maybe that not. There the was a silent. First... I think there was a silent film, but that was like the I very first like up. pop culture. Right, that's mm-hmm. kind of considered entrance. Like, yeah, but that to me is interesting because that's a much more mystical or kind of magical or you know yeah much more complicated where it's not just like oh everybody's sick yeah yeah and they need to be cured it's like a mental illness or some sort of it's like a virus or like well i don't know i I don't know i've never seen the walking dead so i don't know that's probably one of the most popular examples of this story i don't Mm -hmm. know how the zombies came about in that story Uh, i I saw one episode well, do you Dead. know if it was a virus? I know in World War Z. Yeah, and, it, it and, was a virus in The okay. Walking Dead. And now The Walking Dead is an example to me of the sort of zombie uh, approach that I really abhor, like I dislike. Because yeah. Walking Dead, 
you know, the way it's even filmed, it, it, it glories in the destruction of the human body. It's yeah. like whether it's the zombies eating people or it's the destruction of the zombies themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're supposed to be like, wow, there's someone with his jaw undone and yeah, there's another right. one with it. So it's it kind of uh, is to me almost a spiritual message about, you know, hatred of the body mm-hmm. as as a body, mm-hmm. you know. Now, the, the thing though that I would say about zombies and this to me is the most interesting aspect of any zombie movie is that zombies are actually about alienation so it's about a hero generally this hero is kind of cut off from his family so he's a distant dad or he's um you know in the case of will smith he's literally lost his family so it's always about the heroes trying to reconnect with a family or a surrogate family and at the same time um the zombies basically embody in a really extreme way what happens when you wake up and you don't recognize the world around you right so you wake up one day and you realize that everyone around you has decided to believe in nazism and you're like, well, wait, I thought that the people I knew wouldn't be Nazis. Well, no, they will be Nazis. Right. Or you wake up one day and the son that you thought would never be a drug addict who's suicidal is suddenly a drug addict and yeah. suicidal. Or, and that experience of alienation that does happen to people, you know, in different scenarios. Yeah. Um, zombie movies are just an exploration of what that is like. To wake up and the world has changed in an instant and the people you thought you knew, you don't know. They're your enemies. And how do you reconnect yeah. when you've been betrayed like that? We have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a little back, inside Kate. joke. It's from we Lost. Go it's when Jax is like, okay, we've got to go back. <laughs> I, I've never even seen the show, and I know that reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, um, I, I would say it is fun, as, as dumb as Lost was at the end. Yeah. It is fun to watch a show that is iconic the minute you see it. I, I've thought about going back and watching it. Yeah. Just do no, it was so angry by the end. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I there also were remember moments, though. The, the there finale. were such good moments yeah. in that show. They just were playing you for good drama for the moment. Yeah, exactly. That was it. That I was actually there was no have... greater meaning. All they could have told you at the beginning was like coexist. That's <laughs> oh, all they yeah, had to say. Exactly, coexist. Yeah, I actually it. have some some technical beef with The Walking Dead because uh-huh. not only is it not a, sh- a show that I would watch just because of subjecting myself to that type of, you know. Evil, evil, yeah. yeah. But just the the uh, yeah the mutilation of human bodies and yeah, I'm just not really. What was the technical beef? But my technical beef is that in the production they shot a lot of this on um, Reflex 60 millimeter film cameras, and oh. they destroyed a lot of them as crash cams. Oh, and so we now have a great shortage of these very classic 16 millimeter film cameras because mm. they destroyed a lot of them as crash cams. Mm. Oh, and uh, no. it's like, it's really sad. And yeah. Yeah. they were cheap on eBay. Exactly. And yeah. now that they're kind of making a resurgence, there's a shortage of them because the walking dead destroyed a lot of them. <laughs> so oh, man, that's my tech. So they were beef. a force for evil. Exactly. In the, in the real like, world. You know, yeah. These are yeah. classic cameras that you've just, destroyed anyway so so this is a different tack on zombies the zombie question benjamin mm-hmm. which is just zombieism as a 
a analog or a a uh, metaphor for like psychological alienation in the real world. Mm-hmm. Is this what you get out of zombie stories mostly? I mean, I can I can see that as a kind of a higher reading of the topic. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I no, I would say that that is my primary interest in zombie movies actually because when you watch like for instance, I began to watch a zombie movie called Train to Busan that was on Netflix. And I again, it kind of went to that Walking Dead point where just the zombies were just too gross to actually watch, so I ended up not finishing it. But Train to Busan was you know, a similar plot, you know, a dad who can't relate to his kids, he's going through a divorce, they decide to go on a trip last minute, and there's, you know, kind of some of those classic Are they shots. going to Busan? They're going to Busan, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, they're going to Busan. And, um, <clears throat> and this is a South Korean movie, by yeah. the way. But um, there were a few classic, you know, mo- thriller moments. Right. Which to me are the things that always uh, grip me as, yeah. a, as a viewer. Because you know they get on the train and you and some guy looks out the window and, and he sees a commotion in the distance. Yeah, and you don't really know what's going. Right. On. Of course, you know what's going on, but it's not really clear what's going on. And that happens in a lot of zombie movies, right? Yeah. Kind of these like from the eyes of observers that don't perceive the big picture. Um, and then you see like somebody's running by the train and suddenly he's grabbed by something, and you don't see anything else. And that artistic aspect of zombie movies it's not just the fact that it's like the jaws principle the bad guy can't be seen or that it's Mm -hmm. it's a force that can't be seen it's that zombie movies also are meditating on the fact that in an apocalyptic scenario people often don't understand the magnitude of what is happening That, that we have a difficulty comprehending the apocalypse that ordinary people do. So the, the security guards are eating sandwiches and making jokes mm-hmm. yeah. and the zombies are coming. Right. And the, so it's almost like that Bob Dylan song all along the watchtower, you know, like the, the Joker and the thief mm-hmm. and they're talking and, and then, but then two riders were approaching the wind began to howl, you know, that idea of the apocalypse right. is present in a lot of zombie movies. And so in that way, I have this love, hate relationship with the genre because on one hand, it's kind of gross and dark and all these other things. But on the other hand, when it's approached, I guess, more artfully, artistically, it's dealing with something that I think we really feel right now in 2020, which is this sense of, you know, what is happening to the world? Like, yeah. are there my friends on Facebook that believe things I didn't think other people would believe? Or, you know, are people, you know... uh doing things that I wouldn't think other people would do or the pandemic. Um, yeah. Pandemic, you know, but, but you yeah. go back and whether it's the left, how the left feels about 2016 and Trump's election, whether it's how the right feels about, you know, people kneeling in the streets and, you know, yeah. is this like an, a negative thing? And you know, there, there's a problem with interpret, interpreting the world, right? Right. Yeah. The world feels like it's moving faster than you can interpret it. Mm-hmm effectively or or even objectively um and is that a is that a product of our own i mean in a way i think i think these two things connect though because i think at one time or at the same time rather the way that zombies are portrayed in film belies the fact that what they actually are like 
the, I guess, the scenario that's being kind of approximated in fiction when it comes to the real world Mm -hmm. or the kind of scenario, not that really there are zombies anywhere, right? But you have chaos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The force of chaos Mm -hmm. in the world, which literally now is the debate on law and order. I mean, that's like Mm -hmm. now the big debate. How does that actually happen in reality? And I think it happens in a speed and in a way that is not comprehensible through normal mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we look at it now and you think, well, there, had, there has to be somebody pulling strings or there's a spiritual thing happening that is driving all this behavior in people who are, you know, in tune with that, you know, right. who have become channels of it, you know? Yeah. And so you have this real, real antagonism coming up between like two different uh, world spirits really, yeah. two different spirits mm-hmm. that are at war you mean the city of god and the city of man <laughs> oh well yeah i mean no that's true yeah, in a way yeah, but i think it all but it's ironic to me that like the origin of zombies is not like everybody gets sick it's they're all possessed by a devil or yeah. you know it's it's, it's it actually is a spiritual problem and right. it's yeah rooted in witchcraft which you know, is now more prevalent and more widespread than it's been in centuries. Yeah. You know, and, and we see this world that's just going crazy right around well, us. I, I'm, and so and, anyway, I think that's an ironic. Well, no. And I, and I think connection, I think that, that there's probably a connection to that because I, I, I look at things like that and I genuinely, I wonder why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, cause I, I don't like, you know, if I'm just looking at the film and what I'm actually viewing on its own, I, I don't like that stuff at all. It doesn't really uplift it, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're scared by it or whether it's gross or whether it's just unpleasant, Mm -hmm. like it's not really the type of genre or film that's Mm -hmm. like universally, you know, everyone can learn something and take away and enjoy. It's like, right. it's a, it's a, you know, it, it kind of gets in there with the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And just like with horror, I just, I, I don't, I genuinely don't understand why people go back for more and for more and for more and for more. Well, and, and that's where, what you're talking about is, it's actually a, a really fascinating point because, you know, the same thing that we're saying with zombie movies applies to ghost stories as yeah. a genre. Yeah. Um, it applies to really anything of the macabre and uncanny. Right. Which kind I don't of know you, if that's you true, well, I, 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 th- I would maybe push back. Well, on that but a little but bit. I think that it. I think it's a similar no, issue. I, I think it does. Like because it because for instance, like okay, like take a classic book like Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre has literally a mad woman in a tower who tries to kill people and haunts a castle. Well, right, right? but that's different than a zombie story. That's not what a zombie story is. But that's is. not but that's also why people go hordes. Back. You have to have hordes to have zombies. Right. No, and I'm not saying that the genre is the same. That's not my what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the numinous the or, question that Luke just posed, which is to say is there something beneficial in thinking about such things? Right. 
to me. Like that's kind of what you're saying. I would not say right. such like, things if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> is it beneficial to think about an insane woman trying to kill people? Like, is it beneficial it to watch a serial killer movie, a movie about a real serial killer? Yeah. Is it beneficial to think about, you know, uh, zombies or ghosts or demons or hauntings or any of these things, which our society truly is obsessed by? Yeah. Like, right. some of the biggest movies are movies that do nothing but kind of gorge on these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the Christian has to say, like, right at the front of that question is of course it's not good to dwell on those things like it's not a I was gonna say I'm pretty sure St. Paul covered this pretty well (laughs) yeah when he said whatever 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 is good noble whatever is upright noble and pure yeah And, and yet without diminishing that at all there is a kind of um there is a kind of uh there is an aspect of I think some of these things that um, do I don't I don't know if they serve a purpose, but at the very least they have a kind of artistic power that um, does suggest something about reality. Mm-hmm. In other words, like Jane Eyre would not be the same book if you said that the Mad Wife couldn't exist. You said, you know what? That's just a little dark. Jane Eyre's bedroom is on fire. A mad woman whispering her name set it on fire. That's just kind of dark. Charlotte Bronte, we need to remove that from the book. Um, Yeah, but does that... Because the book goes away. Part of Jane Eyre is, is that the purity of Jane Eyre as a saintly woman overcomes the insanity of her evil twin, right? Because... Her evil twin is literally the other woman in Mr. Rochester's life. Mr. Rochester is the sinner who's like caught between the darkness and the light. And Jane Eyre yeah. overcoming the insanity with her sanity is important but to it, the structure of the book. I think you have to you have to splice the question mm-hmm. more nuanced because in a way you can make that question just like, well, is it allowable to portray evil? In a story. Right. Well, if it's not, then there's no stories. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. it's like you can't talk about anything. You right. Know? right. So, but what does it mean to think on and to dwell on or meditate on right. something? Mm-hmm. And in that way, you know, the difference between that character, uh, you know, the uh, former wife, the ex-wife of what's his name? And, uh, she wasn't his ex-wife. That was the whole point. Oh, that's Alex. the point. Yeah, I know. She was still his wife. <laughs> if she had been his ex-wife, then everything would have made sense. Simplicity. Um, no, right. So his mad wife um, is that that was just part of his complication and why he could or could not be a good man. It's not a story about, it's not Saw. Right, you know, no. or it's yeah. not well, you know, and, a zombie, even, a zombie, yeah. but even mer- 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 my gore, point is, is the gore flick, or right, or well, like, and my no, so but my my to point, me, I mean, I don't know that she, I don't think her character justifies like the zombie genre. No, no, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm I'm painting two extremes, mm-hmm. right? Like Saw, that film is an extreme, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't think any Christian could like make a case for Saw. I just don't think that no, it there exists. Are people. I'm sure there are people who try, 
but <laughs> you just kind of have to no, chuckle. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't. I think it's like soft history on a high level. But um, and then on the other side, you have something like Jane Eyre or like High Gothic. Mm-hmm. It's really what that is, yeah. right? It's yeah, like High Gothic. And uh, but at the time, you know, if you study the Gothic era, the Romantics, you know, you do have really weird stuff. Like uh, yeah. what was his name? The friend of the he was one of the. Lord Byron? Not Lord... Well, Lord Byron was weird, but his name is... Uh, oh, uh, the pre-Raphaelite painter. Da- um, Dante Gabriel Rossetti? Yes, Rossetti, who, like, uh, tried to dig up his wife or something, or, like, he, he did, like, crazy graveyard stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. he literally believed all the gothic romance mm. things to a certain yeah. extent. Huh. So, those people were sick, you know? Like, they weren't very healthy in a lot of ways, even though... They rediscovered some of the most beautiful things in art, like art before the pre-Raphaelites mm-hmm. is a lot more inferior than art after the pre-Raphaelites. <laughs> um, and yet the pre-Raphaelites were just, there was art something odd post about them. pre-Raphaelites is much better than art pre-Pre-Raphaelites. <laughs> yeah. But, so, so I guess that's the conundrum, because there's a part of me that, you know, if I see... A story that is, you know, like a, a high gothic story or in a film, there's a part of me that says, oh, I don't know that I can see that because I don't like scary movies and I definitely don't watch horror movies. But I'm also drawn to something literary in the ghost story genre that yeah. is exploring the numinous, mm-hmm. right. is exploring the supernatural, is exploring the idea of death, like a movie that thinks about death. Which is something that we don't like to think about, right. you know. And that—that's right. one way to think about the zombie genre too. Is that the zombie genre isn't is a extended meditation on hell. Mm-hmm. What happens yeah. when yeah. someone loses all goodness, all connection with God, and is literally irredeemable? No one ever comes back from the zombie state. Right. That's why yeah. they can blow away the zombies. That's why they can blow away the zombies. Right. So remorse. So in a world without hell, where no one preaches about hell or believes in being irredeemable, everybody's redeemable. Mm-hmm. According to our society, zombies are this kind of reaction in the subconscious of man right. to say. Wait a minute. This a idea was important. Which, There's a yeah. point beyond which it, you're irredeemable. Hmm. Um, so I think there's. It, it's a weird irony. There's like mm-hmm. a value in it, but it's also not necessarily something you want to dwell on per right. se. Well, and my point earlier was more not necessarily the fact that these type of movies exist in general, or in whether whether or in whether or not you should watch them, but it was, you know, just the idea that our culture today is so obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's whether it's TV shows or movies and books and graphic novels, there's just, you know, yeah. there just, there is this, well, and that's, you'd look at probably like, unhealthy obsession mm-hmm. with this type of, you well, know, look at the Joker thing. movie. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. that, the, what, you know, why was that made? Well, people, the moment Heath Ledger played the Joker and began to build, you right. know, uh, a claim for his portrayal of that role, people locked onto that archetype that's and that psychotic, role yeah. in a psychotic way, and and that's been going on a long time. You know, like I was, uh, um, like in uh, the David Fincher film about the Zodiac Killer, like you know, 
here's this idyllic 1950s, 1960s world where everybody's yeah. just, you know, dressing up in bright pastel colors right. and going out on the town. And there's this killer, you yeah. know, a real guy who was going around killing people. And, uh, and people obsess over him. Like, he, why suddenly in 1969 do people form almost like a cultish obsession with this guy who's just a loser going around shooting people. Right. Like he's not even really a very, I mean, I guess they never caught him, but he's just, he's just a shooter, you know? Mm -hmm. And you, you rewind back, I guess, even to Jack the Ripper, people before that. And the idea of the serial killer even is a kind of, modern invention you know right. it, it happened but nobody really talked about it yeah um or fetishized about it and now or created a fetish around it and mm-hmm. now it is this thing in the psychology of our time mm-hmm. that well, it's um, almost become something of pop culture yeah to, th- to think that such people are fascinating or interesting and not just uh twit not just abhorrent and abhorrent should just be forgotten and, right. abhorrent yeah. and also just dumb like right. like you know no one would sit around and say oh look dustin is colorblind or right. nancy can't taste food or oh and look john doesn't know that human life is precious <laughs> like right you yeah. know nobody obsesses about things where you literally don't n- recognize the value of what's in front of you right but in our time people obsess about that Mm -hmm. like it's a like it's a positive thing or 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 a thing to be thought about right but as opposed to just a negation and i think that's one of those things though and it's it's a danger all of us have because you know everybody has been lured in to one of these interminably long like true crime things on tv yeah right you know and it's an industry and what it does is it plays to your like fascination uh impulse your curiosity the just fascinating curiosity mm-hmm. um with a scenario and with people and with how these things happen where in a way the the sacrifice that law enforcement makes is supposed to save everyone else from having to do that Right. That's the perp- that's the sacrifice they make for society. Yeah. And I mean, yet we have turned it into an entertainment source for everyone right. else. Right. You know, we're right. we're all, you know, turning I mean, there's just how, how however many dozen channels in your satellite feed or cable of that kind of stuff. Right. And, and it just never stops. Crime but that's and, yeah. Also, and I have to, I'm hard on myself that's the real, this way. That's the real world version of the zombie apocalypse is watching a, you know, a, a TV show about a serial killer. Right. It's yeah, the, somebody kind of who's, the same thing. Yeah, gone that far. In kind of a, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it the same thing, but I, it's, I think in, mor- in moral terms, watching it or being fascinated by it, this is debatable. I would, I could probably be debated on this but i but i feel i debate you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome debate Um, but i feel in a way like for myself it's actually a temptation to watch things even you know even say like a film like i don't know world war z was pretty like popcorn i think but Mm -hmm. you know it was it was a thriller film with a bunch of sick people you know and all this but in another way i think Am I 
am am I by allowing myself to watch a film like this mm-hmm. actually just sort of giving in to the a a tempting appeal of the grotesque and macabre in a way that does countermand what St. Paul said. Right. Yeah. To dwell on whatever. Yeah. Right, like right, if you right, say, yeah. okay, well, is it that bad? Well, it's not that bad. I can, I can watch. This. Right. It's, you know, yeah. it's fine. Like whatever. Yeah. But does, do any of us know the power that would be born out of never doing that? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Cause it's just so normal. Everybody, right. everybody's right. watched something like that. Or, right. You know, but right. we don't really know in our own personal lives, like what, your perspective would be if you just didn't. Yeah, right. Because our culture just tells those things. Right, right. And, well, I, and I think that we could probably all get a glimpse of that mm-hmm. in that I know how those types of movies make me feel after I do watch them, mm-hmm. and I could just kind of follow that out and go to the opposite of that feeling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then kind of apply that to a situation where I would have never watched it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah. it... You yeah, know, obviously I would probably choose that. You know, right. I think yeah. maybe a lot of people would as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's interesting because you ask yourself, well, what is the what is the thing that has the power to fascinate? It's kind of like the eyes of a serpent. Like mm-hmm. you know, the serpent famously has the power to fascinate its victim right before it eats them, and. So there's a fascination, you know, why do people slow down on the highway when there's a big wreck or, Mm -hmm, you know, there's, there's a, or why do people watch the true crime episode? And, you know, the thing that I have found interesting, the older I live is one, once you read a few of these crime stories, especially the darker ones, you've read them all. Like in other words, what the demons are trying to tempt people weak-minded people to do or or people who have uh, sanity problems or things is always the same things. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second... So it's not inventive, right? Almost by definition. Uh, it is... And that's... Insanity is not inventive. It's... Uh, just Chesterton has a great quote in uh, Orthodoxy where he talks about the insane man mm-hmm. is like the man whose world is ever shrinking. It's a perfect circle, but it's a really small circle. Yeah, it's a really small <laughs> yeah. circle. The man walking in the park, slick, slitting the lawn with his cane, right. sending detailed right. messages across <laughs> his compatriots. Right. <laughs> and I think that is one clue to why uh, the modern world is fascinated by this sort of person. Because I think the modern world, by believing in materialism, has kind of gone insane. They've shrunk the world. They've shrunk the invisible mm-hmm. out of the world, pushed it out and shrunk the world to just material causes. And so there's a kind of existential ghost that haunts a lot of our modern world where we, th- we a lot of secular people suspect that there really is no meaning. And so the killer or the nihilist becomes a kind of prophet mm-hmm. who's willing to see what no one else is willing to see. Right. And this is where the Joker goes from being just a kind of loser who just doesn't understand like the basic value of human life, which is something everyone should grasp, like a colorblind person or someone without taste. He becomes a Nietzschean mystic figure who's like perceived something deep right. well, about what I, the universe. I keep thinking about like in my mind, I have the like it's just sort of an iconic line you can imagine of like a British policeman coming up and saying, 
Yep. It went mad. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now we need Which to understand the them, probably you know? Right. And yeah. like, yep, yeah. yep, went bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mad it men. was crazy. A madman yeah. with a pistol went into parliament, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's just, he was right. crazy. And I was like, he's nuts. Just, you know, yeah. be yeah. done with it. Yeah. And now the Joker has to be understood and be a hero. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, and this isn't just our time. I mean, you go back even a hundred years. I listened to an audio book of uh, a, a book uh, called, oh, what was it called? It was called, I think, The Avenger or, uh, and it was, oh, I know what it was. It was called The Lodger. And uh, Alfred Hitchcock actually made a movie of it. I haven't seen, mm. but it's just a, it's a novel and it's about uh, a couple they have a home, uh, and they let a room, and it's you know Mary Poppins Edwardian yeah, right. England, and the guy lets it, and he's just obviously this killer who's on the loose, right? Like you, you kind of suspect it. It's a very suspenseful story, and the story basically is just about how they slowly get compromised because they're afraid to tell anybody that he's been there. So it's kind of like a commentary on social reputation and uh-huh. how far people will go to like conceal from their neighbors right. things yeah. that would shame them or whatnot. And I thought it was a little unbelievable. I just don't can't imagine anybody actually knowing those sorts of things, like, being like, I'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> that the man upstairs, <laughs> I think, Police? could be I would like to make an anonymous guy. call. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. In this house, at this such a time, you'll find this man. Um, but... But even back then, you know, people had this fascination. And so that brings me to my second point, which is I think the fascination has to do basically just with sin itself, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, what is sin? Well, sin is just on a, by one definition, you could say sin is just the breaking of a line. It's the crossing of a line. Right. And depending on how virtuous you are, or how well your conscience was formed in childhood by your family and, and your faith, you will either have a very strong sense of where the lines are, or you'll have a weak sense. Mm-hmm. People who have a weak sense probably aren't that fascinated by evil, actually. Yeah. Because they just don't see what's up with it. And and actually, that's the problem with an insane person is they just, they don't perceive the lines. Right. And this is why a lot of times, you know, the way a serial killer, for instance, is depicted is that he's semi-autistic or, you know, he's, he's, you know, right. Warped in some, some way mental problems. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. he, he's obsessive compulsive or whatnot. Um, but the person who has a lot of virtue and sees these lines very clearly um, has a kind of horror of what would happen if those lines were crossed. But also, that means that they perceive the power of what happens when they are crossed. So, for instance, someone who is a very virtuous person has a natural horror of a satanic black mass. Because you, even though someone who is a total materialist and an atheist would say, ha ha, a goat, that doesn't matter. Goat's just a goat. And uh, blood, blood's just blood, or, you know, whatever. But someone who's virtuous says, no, this means something, and this is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so, in a way, um, the only way to resist that kind of evil fascination is to turn the opposite direction and build. And this is why the arts, I think, always are kind of against 
what we're talking about, this negative direction. Mm -hmm. Because the arts are constructive by definition. We're building a world. We're building a story. We're building characters. We're building... Mm -hmm. And that means that we're creating nuance and dimensionality. and, And the more virtue and morality is in these stories, the more nuance they're going to have. And the more information is going to be in the story. But when we start to kind of give in to that fleshly temptation you're talking about alex a fascination with evil mm-hmm. characters will become you know cookie cutter yeah and and this is why every horror movie is so bad i mean yeah. i mean and i have i haven't seen very many but you know it, it's like i know what you did last summer you know yeah, Freddie right, prince yeah. jr is <laughs> the jock and there's the pretty girl and they're the you yeah, know the it's, horror it's like the horror this, genre it, industry is not exactly known for turning out like amazing, yeah it's amazing. like this right. really right. silly yeah cookie cutter kind of thing um but yeah it's it's about perceiving those lines and that those lines have power <laughs> well, um, you're, you're talking about the lines made me think of this and the the fact that most people most people have and I'm I'm probably guilty of this too you have the mentality of well some things are bother me and some things don't yeah and you tend to think of that as like oh well I'm I'm fine you know with these kinds of things the things you, that you, don't you never turn it around <laughs> you never turn it around and say like maybe i have a really bad conscience <laughs> yeah yeah maybe i have a bad conscience about violence like my right. conscience or a bad conscience is not about profanity. Or, or like yeah. best case scenario you're just a hypocrite <laughs> yeah, yeah right right but you don't think about like maybe i just don't maybe i have a really badly formed conscience yeah. because it, it's well, it's a yeah. commonly un- misunderstood doctrine i think of that you know the way you feel about something doesn't change the objective fact of whether or not it was a sin right you right. know your feelings are not what make it a sin yeah it's it either was or wasn't right yeah and there are people who feel no remorse when they kill somebody it doesn't yeah you know it has no effect on their psychology in the act yeah had no effect on whether how bad it was mm-hmm and even though most, the vast majority of people don't do the, anything like that, there are a million other little ways that we right. feel no remorse about much smaller things. Mm-hmm. And I and I've that's a revealing thing when you start drilling down to like actually analyzing your own soul and your mm-hmm. own acts. Yeah, and saying like, well, what are the sins that we don't know? We're even committing. Yeah, things we're yeah. so callous to. Right. That that's just invisible to us. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. What your your. Yeah. Well, and and if you want to take it even, uh, you know, I on a personal level, you know, ne- now that I'm married and have kids, I can take a vi- violence bothers me a lot more than it did before I had kids. Yeah, me too. Um, like, uh, you, you know, even what I would consider, uh, like. I guess popcorn violence, you know, uh, I don't know, like, uh, John wick or, you know, it just, there's, there's a kind of violence that's meant to just be 
you know, entertainment, you're watching bullets fly, but you're not supposed to really think about like that they're bullets or that people could actually die or, you know, it's, it's George like, of the jungle. Don't people, worry, kids. Nobody dies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, like this things are being destroyed and maybe a few people fall quote unquote fall, you know, and right. you don't know, I guess they died or, you know, it's like but power it's, rangers. They just go, Ugh, and the putty just, the putty just falls. Yeah. Falls yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, but when you have kids and you've, been there at a childbirth and you you know mm-hmm. you've you've participated in the miracle of life you think oh my goodness it life has a lot of value you like mm-hmm. and so seeing people get hurt or be maimed or you know it's it's a lot harder to take that um and i think that that's probably good right yeah. that i feel mm-hmm. that way yeah um you know i think um with all content you are you are always, I think, looking at the film and seeing uh, whether the director, you know, is, and people will draw different lines, but how the director is trying to bring subject matter tastefully to the viewer into a conversation. Because a film is, to some extent, a conversation about something. And unless you say that you just can't talk about certain things, which... You know, St. Paul does say, you know, such things shouldn't even be spoken of. But once you remove that category, you know, what remains and can be spoken of, then it's about, you know, how can film talk about these things or depict them or maybe not depict them, but just deal with them thematically in a way that is constructive and Mm -hmm. not destructive. Yeah. Um, So bonus round. (laughs) <laughs> Zombies in The Lord of the Rings. Oh, <laughs> Aragorn leading an army of undead. Right. Oh, did, yeah. did, did, Tolkien has zombies in the Lord of the Rings. Well, right? they weren't actually zombies, Alex. Well, they were the undead. We gonna, they were spirits. They were reanimate, reanimated corpses. Maybe it's the opposite. Come on, come on. Let's. I guess it is the opposite, careful. right? It's the, <laughs> so I get technically right. Then would it be the opposite of zombies? Because they're corp- so well, people but, who don't well, know they people are, who don't remember. Well, but they are corporeal because they kill in the battle, right? Or at least they drive people mad with fear and they kill them with fear. So that's a, that's Which it's a vague. It's a little yeah, bit they vague. were a little vague. How but they, they, they do were that. described as the spirits of the 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 fallers. fallen. Yeah. yeah, right. So right. So when Aragorn so has to walk. So if anything, they were ghosts. Not. Yeah. But isn't that a fascinating thing? Okay, so Aragorn as the returning king has to go under the earth. This is Aragorn's death and resurrection moment as the type of Christ, the conquering king. Right. In the Lord of the Rings. He has to go through the dead, the land of the dead, and call, preach to the spirits in hell. To Malt Road. Right. Mm. And go and call them out to pay their debts. And then when he emerges, the dead walk, right? Which is what happened when Christ rose from the dead. And he brings them all out in order to win the final battle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's interesting what Tolkien did with that. Well, and, and the typology of like zombie and undead and, well, you know, and this actually, imprisoned spirits, what you're talking you know, about, ghost stories. I mean, that all yeah. kind of ties that together. Well, if you're going to really dive into the roots of this, and this is pretty fascinating to me. I once heard a, uh, a talk by Fulton Sheen, and he talked about demonic possession, that there were three markers of the demonic. And one was um, uh, nudity, violence, 
and um, schizophrenia. Um, double double mindedness. And that kind of stuck with me. And if you think about really all that we're talking about, zombies, the gothic, ghost stories, all of these things. He says schizophrenia is related to possession. Yeah, he does. That's interesting. Um, but, That's uh, controversial. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but uh, what he deals with is, is basically he's, he's making an observation. And he was quoting another, uh, another person, like a, an expert at the, in that time, but uh, who had studied these sorts of cases. But when you think about that intersection of nudity and violence, so sex and violence. Hollywood. Well, that's, well yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but particularly, mm-hmm. you think about the, the gothic romantics mm-hmm. and the connection of violence and sex in, say, Dracula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then moving forward into every incarnation of the horror uncanny genre it always is about sex and violence yeah yeah. right murder and sexual desire um and insanity yeah is is always in the mix too so these things all come together and if you look back at scripture it's interesting because the first place that you see that matrix kind of emerge um is the story of noah's flood so you know, you Adam and Eve, you know, they, they eat the fruit, they fall, you know, their eyes are open, so they perceive that they're naked. So there's a capacity for this that's created at the fall. But then you fast forward, and you have the story of Cain and Abel, the first murder. And then the very next sin is a sexual sin, when it says the sons of God and the daughters of men were, mm-hmm. you know, mating, and they were producing giants. And then it basically said there was just wickedness on the earth. So... I guess you could just say insanity. You know, there's just chaos. So, <clears throat> into that milu, that's when God says, you know, okay, I'm going to flood the flood the earth. So, <clears throat> what's happening at the flood? Well, you look back at Genesis one. God separates the waters above from the waters below on the second day of the creation story. Well, Noah's flood is just the collapse of that. It's an uncreation. Mm-hmm. Um, of what God did on the second day. Fast forward again to Christ. Well, what does Christ do? He is in a garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's tempted. He makes the different choice, the choice Adam didn't make as the second Adam, and brings eternal life to man through the resurrection. And, of course, the cross is the tree of life, you know, in, in church uh, theology. Fast forward, what's the next thing Christ does after his resurrection? Well, he ascends. And St. Paul explicitly connects his ascension with his conquering of the demonic spirits. Hmm. Um, Blessed Anne Emmerich, in some of her writings, and she was a Catholic mystic, she would go on these you know, long journeys with her guardian angel and like see things and experience things. And she was in great pain most of her life. She had just debilitating diseases and was known for her holiness. She was a um, very holy woman. But anyway, uh, in a lot of her visions of these things, she talks about the cosmic spirits or the planetary spirits, you know, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the, the pagan gods. So that when Adam fell, the pagan gods kind of filled the void Mm. of what Adam should have governed 
as the steward of earth. Right. So you have nature spirits and people worshiping nature spirits. And all of the pagan nations at the time of Abraham had a story much like the Genesis 6 story about the sons of God. Mm-hmm. But in their story, it was that the angelic beings, the planetary spirits descended and taught men... Prometheus. Yeah, the arts of war. So Mars taught them the arts of war. Mm-hmm. And Saturn taught them about, you know, you know all right, of the yeah, yeah. different... There were different experts, so to speak, mm-hmm. angelic right. spirits. And anyone... And literally in ancient Babylon, people would say, I belong to the school of this demon... Right, because the I, you're talking I'm, about the Anunnaki. Yeah, and the Anunnaki. Yeah, I belong right. to the school of this demon because he's the one who brought this knowledge to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever you think about those stories, which all are very similar, the farther back you go, it's very interesting. You would seem to posit that there was an event, which was a descent, mm-hmm. right? A descent of people who should not have descended. What Saint Peter says, you know, the the angels that did not keep their place but descended. Mm-hmm. And led to the flood. Well, Christ, uh, St. Paul says, he ascends and takes captive Mm -hmm. all of the spirits of the underworld and the invisible realm. Yeah. So, the ascension is the reversal of the second fall, so to speak. You have the first fall, which happens in the heart of man with Adam and Eve. But then you have a, a second fall, which is about the invisible world. Mm-hmm. and about knowledge, and about violence and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And this nexus of the demonic, the sexual, and violence against the human body, all of it comes together to be something that Christ binds. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the stronger man who binds the strong man, like in the parable. Yeah. So, that's why when you encounter this kind of vision, this fascinating vision of, you know, the gothic and the sexual and the violence and the the demonic and insanity and all these things, what you're seeing is something that's very real, and it's what what fills the void when Christ is absent, Mm. right? When life withdraws, Mm -hmm. you know, society tends to fall in on itself, Mm -hmm. and actually, I thought that the, uh, the movie Noah by Darren Aronofsky, actually did a pretty good job in a kind of imagistic way, whether or not, you know, the details of that movie were, you know, all accurate in terms of his portrayal of just chaos, Mm -hmm. the chaos of Noah's world. Um, That is hell, right? The hell is that that matrix of those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, And Christ's ascension is when the logos, the reason, the rational ascends and brings everything underneath it into a hierarchy of order again. Mm-hmm. Where well, it, it makes it be, right. because It makes it right, you know, yeah. Kind of those three things you were pointing out, and it's kind of, I don't know, maybe another definition of what you could call sin, but it's kind of the opposite of the way God had originally intended it. Mm-hmm. So, violence being, you know, life was this sacred thing, and violence being the opposite of that, you know, mm-hmm. the destruction of that. Yeah, sacred thing, you know, the same with, you know, sexual things and schizophrenia, you know, God made us to be logical thinking in our right yeah. minds. And mm-hmm. the opposite of that is, you know, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that these three things are kind of the direct opposite of what they were originally intended. And that's when 
and they're kind of anti-existence all right. of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Violence yeah. is yeah. anti-life. Yeah. Sexual immorality is anti-life. Right. In a yeah. Very real way. And then yes, schizophrenia yeah. Or, yeah. or just insanity is right. similar. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But that's uh, really good, Ben. That's that's very yeah. intriguing. Um, yeah. So, what are what's our moral of this is not been about a single movie, yeah, so it's hard to say. A, like the moral. This is one of, of our topic story. episodes. Yeah, this is a genre yeah. episode. So you guys let us know. Let us know if you like the, this yeah. this format at all, or you know, dealing with like a broader topic and kind of multiple films. Mostly because we don't watch a lot of zombie movies. <laughs> 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 one one's enough. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, moral, you've seen one, you've seen of, them all. Kind yeah, of. that's true. Yeah, everybody true. goes mad, yeah. and one person has to save them. Uh, yeah, um, pretty much. No, I, we should all do it. We should do a book, Finding God in Zombies. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. um, well, Luke, what's your moral of of this moral of the zombie genre? Um, you know, I think that kind of touching on it before and what I said, I think it's so important, not just, you know, you can, we can have lots of conversations about the nitty gritty of what you should and shouldn't watch, you know, and kind of partake in. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, it's so, I think it's, most people don't truly understand what you actually take in either subconsciously or consciously and consentingly affects just your worldview and your outlook on life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not have any problem with fear or being scared or grossed out by zombie movies, but I can guarantee you that if you spend a lot of time watching those things, just your view of life is going to diminish ever so slightly, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just a, it's just a byproduct and a, you know, it, it will come from, from watching things like that. And I think we don't realize, I mean, I, I know I would be guilty of it. You don't realize how much and how slow and slippery that slope is mm-hmm. of, you know, saying things are okay or not okay. So I think just, uh, you know, being extra vigilant about, you know, what am I going to take away from watching this? You know, mm-hmm. and it might be a fun popcorn flick, and mm-hmm. and and I guess more to encourage just that thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and if if you come to the conclusion that oh well, there is actually a message that I could take away from this movie. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's okay, but you know, also just to encourage that thought of not just blindly saying oh I'll just watch anything. You know, like right, but to yeah. actually say. What is yeah. this going find out to, on the other side? Well, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. What is this actually going to do for me? Not in the sense of, am I going to see something I shouldn't see or hear a word I shouldn't hear, mm-hmm. but what is this going to convey to my soul yeah. on kind of a deeper level? Well, and you know? even to what you're saying, Luke, is it's funny because there are, have been movies that I've seen that, you know, you walk out and you're like, I, I wish I hadn't seen that movie. But there are also movies that I've seen that were, I felt the exact same way about that were very different. And to mm-hmm. me, what you're saying can kind of take different forms because you tend to think of like a dark movie or mm-hmm. a movie that has a lot of bad content. But I, I've gone into movies where, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you should not be seeing this movie. Yeah. And 
it was just a really dumb movie. It's just a dumb movie. It was just That's dumb. That's what I'm saying. It, yeah, it, it wasn't that it was bad. It's it wasn't not that, that you that go there on IMDb and see the, the, the content Purple rating God, as yeah. severe and be like, <laughs> yeah. well, never going to do that. I'm not necessarily saying that, but to actually look at what is this movie trying at least, or what is this movie conveying mm-hmm. what yeah. is the message it is trying to do what is the yeah. message when you leave you know? and, and and god tells you it's like you just wasted twenty dollars right like, why did you just waste twenty dollars right like, you knew you were wasting it heck that's been the You're- case with like a dozen <laughs> cartoon movies yeah, yeah it's like there's nothing wrong with it but you just listen to fart jokes for two hours right it's like, yeah exactly you feel yeah. so empty yeah know? yeah well and that's i guess yeah the moral of the story i guess the moral of the story of this conversation that i am feeling uh you know mm-hmm. in my in my heart i guess is is uh i guess the analog that i'll draw is um at various times in sundry manners when i've decided to to uh go on a diet or like be healthy right um <laughs> those seasons it's, yes the seasons <laughs> um you know I, it's the most the best way i have found to do that is when you Number one, decide. It's not that you decide, well, I'm not going to have any of the things I want. It's when you decide that you don't want the things that are not going to be beneficial. Yeah. For you. Right. Hmm. It's, a, it's a change in your desire, yeah. not a change, not a, not a will against desire. Right. Yeah. Number one. And the second thing is like saying, I'm not just going to try to limit the things that are bad for me. I'm going to only do the things that are positively good for me. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And that's a totally different equation. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, if this is not going to help me get to a negative. healthier, yeah. right. then I'm not going to eat that. Right. I'm right. only yeah. going to eat things that make me healthier. Right. Not, I'm just hoping that the good things outweigh the bad things. Yeah. Right. You know? And, well, and that's, I think that's, art, that's so backwards from just the way our culture thinks today. Because yeah. your culture today says, oh, well, I don't want nobody can take something from me yeah. or no one can tell me what I can't do. Right. Right. Because you know, I am me and I can decide what I right. want to do, yeah. but that's like, it's completely opposite. Well, thinking about like the things that you watch or read or, you know, consume in any way really, um, you know, is doing, is doing this, watching it, consuming it, going to, how's it going to affect how I treat my wife? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How is it going to affect how I treat my kids? Right. Will it make me value life more? Should I have spent the two hours reading and praying rather than watching, you know, right? Whatever. Age of Ultron. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Alex didn't like Age of Ultron, (laughs) y'all. You know what I mean, though? Like, it's it's really, and it's, and in a way, our, because entertainment, you could argue, is the number one thing zapping the, like, the virility from our culture and our Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Because we we are so over-entertained that we have no will to and go it's not do just anything. movies it's everything yeah well, yeah it's games and yeah. ev- it's just for social media right and ev- yeah. everything but yeah. most of the things we spend most of our extra time doing are absolutely worthless yeah mm-hmm. you right. know so if in a purposeful way that's why you get a film like a hidden life yeah and i think man this is such a different yeah 
kind of it's just a different kind of thing than any film other yeah, film being yeah. made you know right um and and i guess that's where i go if yeah. if i filled my life with just things like this right mm-hmm. what would what would be the effect right yeah you know, yeah what would i do what yeah would i think hmm. yeah no i think that's really good and and I can think my moral of the story would be that <clears throat> when you're thinking about just this whole spectrum, zombies, vampires, all of it, um, really what people are being drawn to, you know, if you think about desire, right, You, everyone desires something uh, that is naturally desirable, Right, like there's there's nothing that is desired by human beings that does not, at least in its natural, original kernel, is not put there by God in a directedness. Right. Yeah. So even it, cheese whiz. <laughs> <laughs> that is the desire for food perverted. I have a friend. Deeply I have a friend perverted. who used to call that the spirit of Esau. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he was really hungry, he said, like, "Oh, the spirit of Esau is coming upon me." <laughs> oh, but, yeah. but yeah. So there's this desire, and actually, I've I've always said this, and I don't know why more people say this. You know, you'll be online and you'll see Christian apologists and whatnot. And they'll say, "What's your favorite argument for the existence of God?" And they'll say, "Well, cause and effect, or the unmoved mover, something like that." And I always, the exi- the argument for the existence of God I always found the most beautiful and the most plausible was just that we have a desire for heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Like we everybody has a desire for eternity. Yeah. yeah. And you only you can't desire something that doesn't exist. Yeah. You, like there's nothing in life that you desire that doesn't exist. So we all have these desires that God's put into us and he's given us things to satisfy those desires in their appropriate time and place. Um but the desire that meditating on death, basically, which is what all of this is, it's, it's just different ways of meditating on death and the evil of death, mm-hmm. right? The right. evils that go along with death. I'm just remembering um, what about Bob? It's like, we are all going to die. <laughs> Death son. therapy, Bob. It's a shark. Sure <laughs> we got to do what about Bob? Yeah, sometime. Yeah. that's a, such a great movie. But um, uh, but we we have a, a world that just denies death, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we lock people away as they're dying to the point that we will let people die alone in a COVID nineteen ward because we're afraid of dying with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really weird. Like yeah. think about yeah. that. Like we are so afraid of dying that we'll let people die alone because we don't want to die too. Like I can't think actually of a more unchristian idea than that. I know, I, 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 and I know that that may sound controversial, but like literally the church yeah. teaches the dead are not really dead. They're with God. Like we're all bound together. Like the communion we're supposed to feel but it's the with fruit. one another is like you Beyond would, the grave, and and, but it's and, Saint, and we're so materialistic. Well, it's true, but it also belies you know. the fact that nobody really believes the materialistic crap that everybody preaches. Yeah, because if it yeah. really is just the end, who they like? Right. Why, why? Who cares? Who cares? Like, it doesn't right. matter right. that much. Like, and and or it's just the pairing of materialism and absolute cowardice. You know, it's like yeah. and <laughs> the line I wanted to quote is Mad Max and Princess Bride is like. 
What you got? What you have that's worth living for? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, because it's... He sort of said to blaze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you would think that. Because you'd think, like, well, we don't even... Like, there's not even the compulsion to just say, no, I'm gonna risk to save these or to help these people out. Right. I mean, there are heroes out there doing that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, kudos to them. Right. You know, but you do see this, even in, that's to me, the irony of the zombie story and our current time, because right now we're dealing, everybody says like, oh, well, everybody gets sick and loses their mind. Well, actually what we're seeing is that everybody loses their mind out of fear of getting sick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right you yeah. know and people you know fighting over not being the right way in the one way aisle and just you know just basic human decency and courtesy yeah you know because Which, of the you know, fear and, of and, this and I would say like R.R. Reno the editor at First Things you know he and he said some things that maybe were a little offensive but he got a lot of flack for coming out against a lot of these things and and uh, and basically the point he was making, and I just think this is a point that's very hard to just overlook because it's such a big point. All through human history, you look back First World War, Second World War, Spanish Influenza, Great Depression, just keep going back. I mean, there have been mass death events all through human history. Do we look back and what would we think if we look back and all the soldiers in the front lines of World War One, just they all ran away. Yeah. Like, we would not think very highly of them, right? Yeah. Even though their chances of dying are way higher than our chances of dying of COVID. Yeah. And uh, and the same with the influenza or whatever. And I'm not saying that you don't take precautions, but at the end of the day, the world that has existed, people were willing to be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is a guy in World War One, and he was 18, and he gets his head blown off by an artillery shell. He was willing to be that guy, the historical footnote, right? The guy who lost. He pulled the short end of the straw because why? He believes in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he could be the one who pulled the short end of the straw. Mm-hmm. We, all of us, can be that guy. It's like a group of people who are being picked off by animals and we're all like banding together and the people on the fringes are getting picked off. Well, some of us are going to get picked off, but if we're all living in fear, you know, well, it's like, that, it's like it, the, the way to live is to say, you know, maybe I'm the guy who gets picked off, but maybe I'm I take the, be, bullet maybe else, I take the bullet for everybody else. Maybe I take the bullet for everybody else, but it's to like save them and, to save them, yeah, you right. know, and, but it's faith it's, in heaven that gives you that courage. Right. Right. And to see life as being beyond the grave. Yeah. But that's, to go back to my moral of the story, that's what I see as being the itch that these films scratch, is that, at their, at their best anyway, they're a meditation on death. And, and like anything that's denied, it tends to get fulfilled in unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a Puritan society that denies sex, sex will be addressed in unhealthy ways. Right. A society that's a pacifist society, violence will get addressed. You right. know, I'm not that, I don't know that there's a desire for violence, but a desire for courage anyway. Right. Um, and the desire to meditate on death, which is 
not wrong. Like we're yeah. meant to think, we, we have to think about that. Right. And, and it's important to remember it. Um, that will come out in unhealthy ways. Yeah. So I think maybe the answer is, you know, don't go see a bunch of zombie movies, but instead <laughs> read the Bible and read great literature about the human condition. You know, well, lots of people have written about yeah. this in very meaningful I, I'm ways. I'm drawn to, and you know, this is kind of a great summarization of this conversation, but the scripture in Deuteronomy that says, you know, today I place before you life and death. Yeah. But choose life. Yeah. I mean, he says you can choose whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can choose death if you want, but yeah. choose life. Yeah. Because it's good for you. <laughs> you right. know, it's, it's the better of the two. It's life, you know? Yeah. So, Very you true. know, we always have the, the option to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. death is obviously going to bring death. So choose I life. always choose life cereal. <laughs> is that their slogan? That should be. That <laughs> could be. <laughs> Just put the scripture in Deuteronomy. Choose life. <laughs> choose life. Yeah, uh, they yeah. sell a lot. Mm. Anyway, well, our uh, our sponsor for this episode is Audible.com, and uh, if you were uh, if you were, want to uh, listen to a free audiobook, um, then you can click on the link below, um, which is audible.com slash Moral of the story. What's the last part, Luke? It's audibletrial.com. Audibletrial.com. Forward slash moral of the story. Forward slash moral of the story, yep. yeah. But if you click on that link, then you can get a free audiobook. Yep. And uh, I'm trying to think what our recommendation is after all wasn't of this. Wasn't it World War Z? Well, now that we're... Well, yeah, I mean... But we're wasn't not, it a book? I it think was. It was, yeah. Yeah. it was a book. Yeah. I'm sure that's on there. Yeah, you I mean, if you Z. want to meditate on... Uh, death in a very uh, <laughs> like kind of uh, mystical and Christian way. A couple of good books are Charles Williams books. We've plugged Charles Williams books in yeah. the past, yes. oh, but gosh. boy, nobody writes about it in a more I think thought provoking way than he does. But two books: one is All Hallows Eve, which is about a, a, a group of ghosts who are trying to find their way to heaven or perhaps to hell, depending on which ghost it is. Um, and well, redemption in the afterlife into hell. And Descent, then Descent into Hell, into hell is has the, the other best one. doppelganger zombie-ish kind of story. Yeah, it dives... It's the best it, book it, about it hell, actually, man. <laughs> it actually deals not, with all of this very concretely. Charles Williams is, is amazing because uh, disregarding everything, not disregarding everything we've said, <laughs> his stories are at the same time about the worst kind of evil and the best kind of goodness. Like That's the thing that's so shocking about his stories is that his good guys are they're gooder good guys than any other good guy. The goodest yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really true. Yeah. And so that's to me, yeah. it's their vision of the good that is so heightened. Like, yeah. Heightened and yeah. how yeah. how evil is seen for what it truly is yeah. so much yeah. is what makes them so great. Yeah. So yeah, so Descent check, into hell. check those out on Audible. For you sure. can get it for free and it supports the show and helps us keep doing this. Also, um, in case you missed our episode last week, we announced that we have officially launched our Patreon page. Um, and you can check that out at the link in the show description as well. But um, it's another hands-on way that you can support the show. Um, you can sign up and become a Patreon, uh, Patreon, no, 
Is it just a patron? You're a patriotic Patreon is patron. It, yeah, it's just a patron. <laughs> a patron. Yeah, a patron. Uh, and you get some extra treats, uh, things like extra content and um, early access and Q&As with us. So uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, it really does support us and help us um, keep being able to do this. So Yeah. And in fact, if you uh, become a Patreon supporter, you will gain access to this bonus segment of the show, which we're about to do, which we uh, began to do with our last episode, but it is called... Um, the Moral Dilemma. The Moral Dilemma. That's right. And where we, we ask ourselves what we would do if uh, the movies that we've been discussing were, in some sense, concretely true, uh, the moral dilemmas that might be posed by such a question. So stick around for that. Yeah, stick around uh, for that. Go over to Patreon. But in the meantime, gain the access. Yes, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. Share with your friends, family, and enemies. And until next time. The Moral of the Story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.